what is God? By the way I phrase the question, I give you some insight to my answer. For I didn't say, who is God? For me, God is not a person. God doesn't get angry, doesn't destroy the earth, doesn't make me rich, doesn't give me special blessings when I ask for them. But all I've told you is what I don't believe. And I think a fair criticism of our faith is that we're very good at defining what we don't believe, but not so good at defining what we do believe. And in that search to better define what I believe, I was very attracted to Wellsprings. Because we do make an effort through our beliefs and our DNA to start the foundation of trying to coalesce what we do believe in the positives. And so one of our beliefs is a source beyond single definition. We believe we can experience God without being able to define God. The divine is unlimited by any text, gender, or dogma. We come to know the divine by living fully, loving generously, and being who we are called to be. And the first sentence there, um, how do we experience God? What are the stories and imagery that we can bring upon to help us understand the mysterious? How can we help each other connect to this mysterious thing called the divine? And often it's said in Unitarian that, oh, we believe what we want to believe. And I really don't believe that, actually. I believe if we could actually look in each of our hearts, give us an act of God of, of moving away all the cloudiness, all the uncertainty, and lay those cards on the table, I think we would find that our beliefs really aren't all that different. And that there is a universal connection to this thing we call God. And so I wanted to better search or better define my meaning of God. And so when Wellsprings 3.0, which is called Living with Presence, was offered, I jumped at the opportunity to further this connection. And it was a, a, a group of, of people who had been in the church for a while, and we had some readings, and it was a six-week-long class. And to be perfectly honest with you, I couldn't remember one reading we did. <laughs> but at the end... Reverend Ken challenged us to continue meeting, continue discussion on what it meant to live with presence. And many of us took this challenge, and we showed up on an evening, and we all got in a circle, and we all looked at each other, and we said, what are we going to talk about? And we thought for a while, and what we came up with was, what would you do if you got a call Sunday morning, dude, this is Reverend Ken, car's broke, can't make it in today. Can you lead the service today? What would you tell the congregation of Wellsprings that would enlighten them? And this was not an easy task, which actually would have made it worthwhile, to be honest with you. And so we each had to think and each had to... Um, 
kick things around and come up with what we would tell. And so this is my story. This is what I came up with. Um, and so I was bitten by the science bug at a very early age. And I knew I wanted to be a scientist from age 11. There was no doubt in my mind that's what I was going to be. However, when I got to college, I had to make a choice between physics and biology. Couldn't stand chemistry. Um, And physics really attracted me because it was such a pure science. You know, the patron saint of physics, Albert Einstein, did absolutely no, did not do one experiment, one physical experiment. Everything he came up with was right here. He did these thought experiments in which he pondered, what if someone was traveling at the speed of light and intersected something else going at the speed of light? What would be the outcome? What would be the, you know, how would they perceive each other? He had to deal with some math as well, but it was really just thinking that allowed him to uncover the true nature of our universe. And so, but... Eventually, I took, chose biology, and that's another story for another Sunday. But I always loved the physics, and it, it became a hobby of mine to you know, continue the reading, continue the discussion. Um, you know, I love astronomy. I couldn't find a constellation to save my life because I'm not that good at it. But I love reading about it. I love thinking about what is out there in the universe. And through this thinking as well as my time at Wellsprings, I started seeing connections between the two. Because some of the stuff is pretty out there. It's pretty, you know, the physics and religion start merging at some point because you do need to have a lot of faith and a lot of belief and a lot of mystery to understand it. So it was through this parallel discussions of God and physics that led to this, what I'm going to tell you about. Why did that happen? The man left there, Sir Isaac Newton, would tell us that a body at rest will remain at rest unless a force acts upon it. What was that force that caused that ball to drop? Gravity. We all know gravity. But do you know how it works? Do you understand What caused the earth to drag that ball to the bottom? If we think about it, you know, it's interesting in the the holy now where, you know, everything's a miracle. You have no idea how that true, that statement that is. It is an absolute miracle that we are here today. Through all the consonants, with all the things, the universe forming, one one little thing off of what it could have been. And all we would be is a bunch of hydrogen floating around in space. It is truly a miracle that this universe is here today. Gravity, you know, when you go to the beach, gravity is a thing that causes the ocean to give us waves. The moon pulling on the water, causing the water to go back and forth. For that matter, gravity is the reason why we have oceans at all. Otherwise, the water would just float off into space. 
We wouldn't really have an earth, for that matter, because nothing would have coalesced all the matter that became the earth. No sun, no solar system, no galaxy. The universe would just be a floating ball of hydrogen. Actually, I have the power. Yes, I do. Every object in the universe attracts every other object with a force directed along the lines of the centers of the two objects that's proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the separation between the two objects. In English, it's quite simple actually. The bigger you are, the more gravity you attract. And the closer I am to you, the more I pull you closer. That's gravity in a nutshell. When I originally gave this, I went into a lot more of the physics. And I got universal feedback. <laughs> Dude, we don't care. Move on. So I'm, I'm moving on from that. But the second picture, if you can see it, you see sort of a star thing and these little whirlpool of lines. And that's what Einstein really came up with. Was this thought that gravity or mass warps space-time. And that's why things get sucked in. That's how gravity works. And it was brilliant because it was so unintuitive. But everything that Einstein has predicted largely has come true as a result of this. But now, so back in Newton's day, we were, physics was very happy to, to explain to us why things happened in, like, why do apples fall down? Why does, you know, cars stop? And real, you know, bathtub physics, as we called it in the, <laughs> for the football, for physics people. Um, but nowadays, physics has sort of moved um, that is loud, isn't it? Um, <laughs> physics moved, has moved from the, the, what we can perceive to the very, very large and the very, very small. And as humans, we don't do a really good job of scale. Okay? Our brains are, you know, can deal with what we can see in our thing. But when we start talking about things at 10 to the 30th or 10 to the minus 30th, we just don't really grasp that. That is so large and so small that we really cannot comprehend the magnitude there. But that's where, that's where the physicist is trying to go now. And in the really, really small, that's where the universe gets really, really weird. And, you know, to try, you know, try to come up with laws and theories that would explain how these, all these things interact you end up in the quantum world where, you know, an object can be in two places at the exact same moment. We have dimensions beyond the four that we're familiar with. You know, some theories have 36, some have 10. What's the difference? We can't comprehend, you know, literally our brains, can, you know, we have a hard time with the four that we are present with. The other issue at the quantum level is everything is determined by probability. And when you're trying to make rules, things not happening all the time 
make it very hard to write rules. And so Einstein hated this, despised it, said, God does not play dice with the universe. To which his friend and competitor, Niels Bohr, said, Einstein, stop telling God what to do with his dice. So in real brief, we have these forces of nature that people that were trying to make a grand unified theory so that all these forces talk to each other and we connect them. And once we got this great, we think once we get this grand unified universe, that's when we'll really start understanding how things connect. And it'll really lead to, you know, whenever we figure it out, a whole new age of physics. Now, have you all heard the super colliders that, you know, in Europe and they go 13 miles at the speed of light and collide two items? Those are what you need to study the strong forces. Because believe it or not, they're strong. And they, you need to explode those, you need enormous energy. And you get these things flying off, they study it, and your experiment lasts about one second long. Couple billion dollars, one second of data. The weak forces, very complicated. But without them, we wouldn't have radioactivity, we wouldn't have nuclear <laughs> arms. So maybe we don't need those, actually. Electricity, magnetism, you guys know that. I mean, that's the, that's the forces with charges, and, you know, all you could argue that, you know, over the last 150 years, Electricity magnetism is what really propelled our iPads, our iPhones, all that. Uh, effective uses of electricity magnetism. Now, of all the forces, gravity is the weakest. Your little magnet that you put on your refrigerator, that's strong enough to overcome the entire gravity, gravitational force of the Earth. The important thing for gravity, though, is that nothing cancels out gravity. So when we look at really large structures like the sun, galaxies, all these things, all those other forces I talked about, they all cancel each other out. And so they really have no, no meaning whatsoever in terms of the structure of the universe. The only force that really matters is gravity. And so, the problem with gravity is, is while we understand it on the big picture, we have absolutely no idea how it works on the small level. How does one atom in my body talk to an atom in the Andromeda galaxy many light years away? There is absolutely no conceptual framework for us to understand it. I mean, we have questions in other forces. I mean, you know, we don't have it all worked out. But at least we have a framework in which to ask the questions and to probe. Gravity, there is no, zero, absolute, any comprehension how that works. If you went to a physics meeting that says, I think God is gravity, 
nobody could say you're wrong. So what do we know about gravity? So gravity is what keeps us grounded. Gravity is the only interaction that works on... I lost myself a cheat off here. It's the only interaction that acts on all particles having mass. It has an infinite range. It cannot be absorbed, transformed, or shielded against. And it always attracts and never repels. So now you've survived physics. <laughs> so now I want to try to connect this into how does my understanding of gravity affect my understanding of God or the divine? Gravity keeps me grounded. I think God keeps me grounded. If you've ever been to a science museum, you'll see that they have different scales that would tell you how much you would weigh on various celestial bodies. If you want to lose weight, go to the moon. Okay? It's wonderful. You'll feel so light. You want to gain weight, go to, gra go to Jupiter. You won't be able to stand up. Gravity is what gives mass meaning on this earth. Think of the poor coyote in the Roadrunner. How much happier he would be if there was no gravity. Okay? That ball over his head would have no meaning to him because it would not fall and crush him. Gravity gives meaning to the objects here. I think God is a way that we can get meaning into our lives to keep us grounded, to keep us focused on the important things. Gravity can do some pretty awesome things. For such a weak force, it could crush the earth to the size of that ball that's on the ground. It can make a force so strong it can block light from escaping. It can cause suns to collapse, form supernovas. But this, like all powers, it can be used for the good or it can be used for the not so good. As people, we need to try to come up with ways to make God, the divine, a, a powerful, a useful force on this earth. And not such a bad force. We think of Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Dr. King, as people who have been so moved by their faith and so moved by the divine that they changed the world. But we also can think of things that, in which God has been used nefariously, the crusades in the past. Today, many examples of where God, the name of God is being used to cause destruction, hate, in pain. Gravity is felt by the most naive, but understood, but not understood by the most learned. Think of a think of think of a little baby. Other than mom, gravity is probably the first thing that child becomes very familiar with. Because gravity sucks. When you're a baby. 
it stops you from doing so much stuff. You try to stand, fall down. Things fall over you. You are amazed with gravity when you're a little baby. You can't even speak yet, but you understand that there's something keeping you down. But as I said previously, nobody understands, not even Einstein, understands gravity. I think God is the same way. I think God is baked into us. I think as children, you know, in your spirit, the kindergartners, they have a much, they're very comfortable with the divine. As they get older, not so much. But this understanding of God is baked into us. And not being able to understand it not such a big deal, right? We don't understand gravity. We believe in gravity, right? So that connection has helped me sort of undercut. Because as a good scientist, I like to understand everything, right? But sometimes you have to let go. Sometimes you just have to accept things for what they are. And not condemn an entire force just because we don't understand it. Gravity is a force in my life, whether I acknowledge it or not. I do not believe in gravity. (laughs) I am still here. I have not floated away. If I choose not to believe in gravity, my life is going to have some issues. Okay? I'm going to put myself at risk. I'm going to fall all the time. I'm going to run into things. I will be limiting my potential as a human being by choosing not to believe in gravity. I don't think God really cares whether we believe in him or not. And I'm sorry for using the word him. I should be gender gender neutral. (laughs) It. But by choosing not to believe in God... I think we limit our potential as humans. I think we're missing out on something that can enrich our lives, on something that could make more meaning to our lives. There's so, you're only limiting yourself by choosing not to believe in a power stronger than you. So I've learned to take advantage of it. It's something out there. And if I can connect into that, my life will have more meaning. Gravity, and I think God, cannot be absorbed, transformed, or shielded against. Gravity is the force exerted by all objects having mass on all other objects having mass. Maybe God is the force that all with souls exert on all others with souls. Maybe God is that connection between us. Because I am the largest person in this room. I have the most gravity. And you are all attracted to me. 
more so that I'm attracted to you. (laughs) But we touch each other and we connect with each other. And I wonder if by building my spiritual practice, by developing my spiritual presence, will I increase my spiritual mass so that then I can better, better draw all of you closer to me? And I think that's something we should think about as to better connect with each other, that by making ourselves better, we have the opportunity to make others better. And lastly, gravity is additive. It always attracts and never repels. This is why we need spiritual community. Because as a single object, I can only have so much influence in the universe around me. But as we connect, as we grow, as we merge, our spiritual mass grows. We can do much more powerful things as a community with mass, with spiritual mass. Do you have to develop an interest in quantum mechanics to better discover God? No. As Chris read earlier about the burning bushes everywhere, there are things in your life that will help you see the divine better. Plug into those. Learn about it. Kick it around. Fight with it. Struggle with it. Come up with something that makes sense to you and share it with the rest of us. That's how our spiritual mass will grow. That's how we'll become a congregation that can change things here in our community, eventually in the world. Let's join our hearts in prayer. God of the universe, God of the mysteries, God that connects all of us, please give us the tools to better connect with you, to connect with each other, to help us avoid those object desires that our reptilian brain sometimes draws us to. Help us to try to understand what really is important in this world. With your blessing, amen.